Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where it's all about increasing the profitability of your farm by working smarter, not harder. G'day and welcome once again to Profitable Farmer. Welcome to 2021. I sincerely hope that over the last few weeks, you've been able to enjoy some real time with your family and friends in spite of um, border restrictions and other things. And hopefully now things can open up. Um, as a business of farm owners, we're very much looking forward to progressing this year with our conferences in February in Adelaide, in June in Sydney, and then in September in Melbourne. So we're very much hoping that um, that the borders continue to open up and um, that we get to bring our community together again. So all the best to you for 2021. For the next two podcasts, I want to build on the last one where I interviewed our coaching team on the importance of planning and the importance of setting up your year to be your best year yet. And so I'm going to perhaps get a little bit philosophical in this um, conversation around the topic of goal setting and the topic of purpose um, and creating legacies. And then in my next podcast, I'm going to talk about creating win-win relationships and aligning people to your goals and plans um, through negotiations theory. So a couple of um, really important topics, I think, um, and I encourage you to listen to our last podcast if you haven't already with Tracy, Cheryl and Westy, just to use that as some motivation and inspiration for your planning um, in setting up 2021 to be your yes, best year yet. And so just to speak to that first, um, if you were to aim for, with a gun, a rabbit or a target 300 yards away, what we wouldn't do is just pull up the gun from the hip and pull the trigger. The likelihood of us hitting that target would be effectively zero. Now, it's been proven that 85% of our success toward any goal is determined by how well we set up. And so using that same analogy, if I take time to sight in my scope, if I take time to clean my rifle, clear the barrel, if I take time to check the wind, if I make sure that the tripod that I use is secure and grounded, if I aim really accurately, if I concentrate in on my breathing, if I line up the target with the wind in mind, conscious of all other factors and gently squeeze the trigger, my likelihood of hitting that target 300 feet or 300 metres away is far greater than just shooting from the hip. So I want to make that point to kick off, that 85% of our success toward any goal in any year is determined by how well we set up. 
So the way that I frame that, and I've learned to frame this through my mentors, is that our first 15% toward any goal underpins 85% of my likelihood of attaining that goal. So it's how we set up. And that's why at Farm Owners Academy, we insist with our clients that they take at least two days away from their farms, focusing on in on what are the core goals and plans each quarter for the next 12 months. And that that planning is in the context of a bigger vision, some really broad core values, 10-year goals, three-year goals, back to one-year goals. And it's all set up in such a way that we're giving our clients and our business and our team the very best chance of hitting the goals. Now, there is no doubt in agriculture that there are uncertainties that we need to adapt for as we roll out through the year. How much summer rain we get, when the break is, first frost, and the list goes on. But in spite of all of those things that perhaps we can't control, our planning is still really important. So my first point is our first 15%. And so I just want to encourage you to use January and even early February to make sure that you've got time locked out to reflect on the year that was and to take the lessons, to celebrate it if you haven't already, and then to get your first 15% right. Now, in my travels as a business coach over the last 15 years, I've been lucky enough to attend some courses and to learn some from some amazing mentors. You will have heard me talk about W. Edward Deming, the man who transformed Japan or was part of the transformation of Japan toward being revered for efficiency and quality after World War II. He is um, the pin-up boy, if you like, for um, systems thinking and quality and efficiency in business. Now, like Deming, I've been lucky enough to learn from and study with an amazing gentleman who's now in his mid-70s. His name is Marshall Ferber. Now, Marshall, as I understand, is one of the only living links to Deming and Buckminster Fuller who I'll introduce shortly. Now, um, Marshall Thurber dedicated a lot of his life to learning from these two gentlemen, and both Deming and Buckminster Fuller are some of the greatest minds of our time. Um, certainly the impact that both of those gentlemen had on business and on our society globally are um, significant in so many ways. Um, Marshall Thurber created a course called Money and You. Um, Kiyosaki, Jack Canfield, Keith Cunningham, Tony Robbins all attribute much of their start and much of their success to this entrepreneurial training. I've been lucky enough to attend this training 
I'm going to say seven or eight times, and I've studied negotiations theory and other things with Marshall Thurber. Um, what I want to share with you today is some of the insights that come from that course and linking through to Buckminster Fuller. So Buckminster Fuller made 50 predictions some 50 years ago, and in his lifetime, 47 of them came to fruition. So an amazing mind, an engineer, a humanitarian, a scientist, um, a philosopher, a philanthropist, an amazing human. And so if you haven't researched Buckminster Fuller, I encourage you to. Um, as we launch into this conversation of planning, I want to give you Bucky's spin on this. Bucky applied generalised principles of nature back to entrepreneurship and business. And so there's real power in that because these things called generalised principles, they're undisputable. You can't argue with them. And the example that I use is that if we think about the law of gravity for a minute, if I hold a pen up in the air and drop it, I know that that pen's not going to go up. I can't argue with the law of gravity. And so when I apply these laws of nature that we can depend on and rely on to conversations in business and in life like goal setting, then it brings real power to how we go about setting up our years and living life. And so the law of gravity first, just while I'm on it, the law of gravity is mass one plus mass two, all divided by the distance between them squared. Now, if I am mass one and the goal that I set is mass two, then just in the setting of that goal, there is gravity now between myself and that goal. So the simple definition there is that if I can work intently on the mass that I have now, so who I am, how I'm being, and I can be really clear on, not vague on the goal that I'm setting, then the gravity between those two things and goals become real and become tangible the moment we set them is the distance between them squared. Now, there's a relationship between those two pieces of mass, where I am, my goal, myself, and the goal that I have, which is where I want to be. Now, the relationship between them isn't linear. If I say to you today that I want to quit smoking, just as an example, because it's a hard um, goal to achieve for many people, the first three steps in that direction or the first month on that journey is the hardest. Because as I move toward that goal, the gravity back to where I am or where I was is far stronger than the gravity towards the goal that I've set. The distance is far greater toward being a non-smoker than it is towards being a smoker, which is where I was. But if we keep going and if we set up and move through that first quarter of the journey, then we can get to a point where your goal pulls you toward it. 
where the gravity towards where you were becomes less and the gravity towards where you want to go becomes greater. And so we arrive to a point along that journey where your goal wants you and the mass and the gravity towards that goal becomes exponentially greater than um, the force pulling you back to where you were. Now, I'm tipping as farmers being in nature and being scientists and biologists at heart that this is resonating. And so what I'm suggesting here is that there, if we apply the law of gravity to goal setting, it can bring real power to how we're going about it. So they're not just, they're not just New Year's resolutions and they're not just words on a page. Goals, the moment that you write them and the moment that you share them and the moment you make an indefinite commitment to them become real and they have mass. And if you get your first 15% right or if I get my first 15% right such that I can navigate the first quarter of that journey, then I will arrive to a point where the goal, I will be pulled towards the goal with greater force than the pull back to where I was. But there is no doubt, as with the law of gravity, that the first part of that journey is the hardest. So that's the law of gravity. And I'm not gonna go into much more detail about the application of that back to goal setting. But the next law that sits neatly beside that is the law of procession. I was sitting at um, the dinner table with some wonderful friends of ours who dropped in over Christmas. And we were talking about his career and his questioning around whether he needs to make a change away from the career that, that he had towards something that was going to provide more for him and his family allow him to have greater balance and allow him to make a bigger impact in the 15 or 20 years that he has left in business. And I find this a fascinating conversation and I think a lot of us are asking those questions often. And so the law of procession for me is the most incredible way to answer that. And this is a a bucky piece, if you like, learned through that course, Money and You, and through Marshall Thurber. And so if I am in the process of setting a goal, then where I am right now in relation to that goal is somewhere else. And so if I set down a goal, then the power of the goal, it is actually not about the goal. The power of setting a goal is getting in motion, is getting you as an individual or me as an individual, a mass in this universe and on this planet into motion. I see a lot of people asking the question in planning and pursuing the question, what is my purpose in life? And I want to share with you why that question doesn't matter, but why pursuit of a goal really does. 
And I'll explain it using a worker B or a B example, the law of precession. <clears throat> and so if we think about a worker B for a minute, they are intent, their goal is to collect pollen for their hive or for their queen bee. So worker bees busily go about collecting pollen, nectar, I should say, for the queen bee. And they work diligently with real effort and with real intent to bring nectar back to the queen bee. So their goal is to collect pollen. What they don't understand is that at 90 degrees to them being in pursuit of that goal is that they are cross-pollinating fauna and flora on this planet and giving us life as we know it. Nature wouldn't exist without the worker bee. Cross-pollination happens because of their effort. And so this is a really important piece, is that the impact that we as individuals have on this planet and in our lifetime will always be revealed from us. It's at 90 degrees to the motion that we're in toward our goal. So again, that worker bee doesn't understand that at 90 degrees to their motion towards bringing pollen back to the queen bee is that they're cross-pollinating flora on our, on our planet and giving us life as we know it. So our purpose and the impact we have on the planet is at 90 degrees to the motion that we're in. And so an example for me as a business coach, I get to go and work with some amazing people across regional Australia, and I might teach them a principle like this or like above and below the line that really resonate with them. Years later, I hear that they've taught that to their team and that one of their team has taught that to their family and that that has had an impact on that family. So there is a processional effect of what we are doing in our pursuit toward our goal and that that processional effect will be beyond our comprehension. Now, what Bucky and Marshall Thurber say is that the joy in life is just watching procession unfold for us out of the corner of our eye. So as we're in pursuit of our goal, we will be getting feedback from 90 degrees. Now, if we're in pursuit of a goal that isn't in line with our values and what we believe and who we are, then the feedback we might be getting processionally might be negative. But if we're in pursuit of a, a wholesome and worthy goal, then we will be getting feedback and it's the feedback that helps us course correct. 
and refine and improve how we go about pursuing that goal. Now, planets stay in orbit because of the law of precession. And so, again, if it's good enough in universe and good enough in nature, then I think it's a really important construct when applied back to the setting of goals and letting go, perhaps, of that construct of what it is that is my purpose. Because if we, if, if we are in pursuit of that question, what is my purpose on this planet, then we're chasing what is at 90 degrees instead of chasing our goal. So there's one step further that I want to go on this, is that if we want people to come along for the ride with us, our goal has to be enrolling and inspiring. So as farmers, if your goal is to get the biggest yield or to make the most profit from the resources that you have so that you can expand, buy the farm next door, reduce debt, they're all worthy goals, absolutely. If I'm a builder in town and my goal is to get a faster house and a bigger boat, I wonder how long those apprentices and those tradesmen will hang out with me for. Perhaps I'll have high staff turnover if I expect them to turn up and work for me so that I can get myself the faster house and the bigger boat. So what Bucky and Deming say here is that our goal is to add value, as much value as we can into the lives of others. And what that means for me is that if our goals, once we write them, if we look back on them, if they're selfish goals, they're goals about me and us and what I want to achieve for my family, that's, that's, that's good. But what's great, I think, in terms of getting real momentum and certainly in enrolling teams and people is that in addition to those goals that are very much focused on you and your family, is that we're setting goals that are selfless in intent. So to pioneer a new way of farming in the Mallee for other, other farmers to follow or to produce the very best meat sheep on the planet. So it's really important to have a vision that is enrolling and inspiring, sitting behind your goals. And it's the big companies that do that that make a really significant step in inspiring people to come along for the ride with them. So my question to you is, is the vision that you have for your farm selfless in intent and is it enrolling and inspiring? And then once you set down business and personal goals for you and your farm and your family, 
can you complement that with some goals that are selfless in intent? And so here at Farm Owners Academy, just to give you an example, we could have goals that are around how many clients we want to have, how many more clients we want this year, what we want our revenue to be, what we want our profit to be. But what we've worked out through the law of procession is that those things for us are outcomes. They are at 90 degrees to our pursuit of a more significant goal than those things. And the more significant goal in my experience is to just add as much value as we can into the lives and um, of families that choose to track with us. So our number one goal is and will always be the perfect client experience. How can we help our clients get the very best results and have the very best learning and business development experience with us over their journey through our programs. So that's what it is for us. But what is it that is your goal, the outcome of which allows you to achieve some of those personal objectives around money, profit, balance, and those things? I just love the construct that goals are more powerful when they are selfless in intent rather than selfish and that are more around serving others and adding value. You know, if what drives you is to produce the very best meat sheep in your region or in Australia or to produce the very best crops, then that can absolutely be your goal, supported by some of those other measures around income, profit, um, et cetera. But equally, and because we are commodity producers, I think some of our goals can absolutely be around creating the, one of the best farm teams in your region or in Australia, creating a compelling culture that supports our people to grow and develop while they're employed with us, to becoming an incredible employer in agriculture. And if you can get specific around those more selfless goals, perhaps they will be the thing that will enrol and inspire your existing team to stay with you and then through your recruiting and that narrative applied into your recruiting campaign, perhaps you'll give yourself a better chance of attracting better people to your team when you go about recruiting and growing your team numbers. So I'm big on that. And just to speak further to that, I think where we are often in the business of producing commodities, our point of difference as a business can be about how well we treat our people. And so if you think about it, if I'm going to drive past 40 or 50 or 100 farm gates in order to come for an interview for a farm manager or an assistant farmhand role with you in your business, 
How are you different and better as an employer than all the other farms that I've driven past in arriving to that interview? There's some really deep thinking that can happen and needs to happen around what differentiates you as a business and as an employer in order for you to attract great people over time. So small businesses in town and big businesses, Bunnings, Virgin Blue, Qantas, they've all got a value proposition. So where we're producing a commodity, we also need a value proposition for how we treat our people. And a few examples that I've explored with our clients is that if you're going to expect that your employees are going to work full tilt through shearing and full tilt through sowing and harvest, for example, and doing night shifts and working significant hours, then perhaps you could be the farm business that gives them six weeks holiday, not four. And that's point one, maybe, of your value proposition that makes unique you unique compared to other farms that they might be interviewing with. And I believe that we've got to have four or five or seven really robust points of difference in order to stand out from other farms and give ourselves the very best chance of attracting and then retaining great people. In our last podcast, and please do listen to it, Cheryl talked about how they've provided buy-in options for their farm manager and his wife, who's very much involved in the business. So they've actually taken a share in the operational entity of their farm. I mean, that makes them completely unique as an employer compared to other farms in their region. It's common practice in law firms and accounting firms and financial planning firms to give away equity to high-performing staff in order to retain them, giving, giving them a sense of ownership in the business. So perhaps there's no reason why models like that shouldn't apply to how we employ in agriculture in order to retain great talent long-term. So we've touched on the law of gravity applied to goal setting. We've touched on the law of procession and why it's really important to seek to have goals that add value and serve others in addition to goals that might be somewhat self-centered in nature. And so a couple more laws of nature to add in. One is the law of frequency. So wherever you are at the moment, whatever room that you're in or, or whatever vehicle you're in listening to this, there are 3,000 radio waves around you right now. And it is probably true that you can't hear any of them. When you've got the radio on and you're listening to 2WG or um, Triple J or whatever it is, you dial into the frequency of that radio wave so that you can pick up that station. But in reality, at any time, there's thousands of radio waves around us. 
but often we can't hear any of them because they're not having any impact. Yet if you are in a room with an X-ray machine, that radio wave can cut through your skin and take a photo of your bone. The only difference between the X-ray wave and the radio wave is its frequency. And so the reason I raise that is the law of frequency is just so important in regard to planning and goal setting and just so important in regard to the attainment of goals and also in the alignment of teams. So if I write down a goal and I put it in the cupboard and I don't have any frequency of interaction with that goal, it's highly likely that it's never going to happen or turn up for me. But if I put that goal on the wall or um, behind the sun visor in my car and I look at it multiple times throughout the day, then my frequency of interaction with that goal has gone through the roof. And like the X-ray wave compared to the radio wave, the impact is exponentially greater. So the likelihood of my attaining the goal because it's being plugged into my conscious and subconscious with frequency is exponentially greater. And in the same way, if we have a planning day and we talk about our goals in that planning day and then we don't talk about them again as a team, that has a frequency of one. But imagine in your weekly meetings just reconnecting with one or all of the goals. That gives that radio wave a frequency of 52, which is exponentially greater. And teams will be more aligned the more that you as their leader align them to the goals that were set, that they are all in motion toward in any given year. So just think about the frequency of interaction of that you have with the goals that you set. This is why elite athletes visualize every day, at least once before they go about their training, the frequency and the intensity of their um, focus on their goals is exponentially greater than the average sportsman. And the results speak for themselves. And so what is your frequency of interaction with the goals that you set? And then how often are you, re <clears throat> excuse me, are you refocusing your team on the goals that you together set in your planning? The law of frequency is really important. And lastly, and with respect to goal planning, a goal setting and planning is a law that we often don't think about and it's called the law of multiplicity. And quite simply, the best example I have for this is that if you wanted to cook a potato in boiling water, what's the fastest way to cook that potato? 
the reality is cutting it up into small pieces and then boiling it is so much more um, significant or effective than trying to cook it as a whole. And it's true with the execution around goals is that if we can cut it up and give it out to other people, then we'll boil that goal so much more quickly. So if that makes sense, once we've set a goal, if we can unpack that goal into its parts and allocate different parts of that in a pro through a project planning process, if you like, to a team of people that all go to work in pursuit of their completion of their part of that project, then we can so much more quickly achieve the outcome of the goal. And this is why having teams and getting your teams involved in your business's improvement is just so important. And so once you've set a goal, if you can go one step further to break it down into its parts, get really clear on what the key outcome for each of those parts of that project are, and then enroll your team to get their part in that project done, that is you applying the law of multiplicity, which is the same construct as cutting up the potato and boiling it relative to trying to cook, uh, cook it all on its own. Don't try and pursue goals on your own. Get the right people around you. Give them responsibility. Give them ownership and go about the pursuit of any goal together. So just coming back to where I started, Buckminster Fuller. On his tombstone, there is a little comment of all the things that he could have on his tombstone. He has a comment that is, call me Trim Tab. And I find this fascinating. Of all the things that this great man, one of the most incredible minds of our time, he's our version of Einstein, ultimately. Um, he had called me Trim Tab on his tombstone. And so what does that mean? If you think about an ocean liner out sailing the ocean, in order to navigate and steer, it has a rudder at its back so that if it wants to navigate more towards south-southeast, it adjusts its rudder. There is so much force on that rudder, especially when that ship is in motion. Now, at the very bottom of the rudder, there is a tiny little lever, like a little second rudder called a trim tab. And so that if that um, ocean liner wants to turn left, they push the rudder right. But before they push the rudder right, they adjust the trim tab and the trim tab moves the rudder and then the rudder moves the ship. Now, Bucky loved that analogy because he realised early on that he can't necessarily change the world and fix the problems of the world. But if he just does the best he can, innovating and inventing 
to try and solve problems that were right in front of him, that those little problems solved over time consistently can have an impact on society. And he had more patents and more inventions in his lifetime, I think, than any other human in history. And what he says is create artefacts in order to create a legacy. And so what he means by that is that the point of entrepreneurship, in his opinion, was to create something that solves a problem. So find a problem on the planet and then go, go to work to create an artefact that can make life easier and better for the masses. And so I look around and I look at my pen, I look at pliers that I have to, for fencing, um, lights, matchboxes. They are all artefacts that have lived beyond the life of their creator that make an impact and make life easier and better for the masses long term. Imagine what life would look like if we didn't have matches. And imagine what life would look like if we were still trying to fence without pliers. And so what he says is to seek out, as entrepreneurs and as leaders, is to seek out problems and seek to create artefacts that can solve those problems, not just for you, but for society long term. And it's through the doing of that that we create our legacy and that the impact on the planet that we can have can be beyond our comprehension. And so some food for thought there, as you go about your goal setting, your planning this year, think about goals that can serve others and add perhaps more value. Think about innovation and entrepreneurship and potentially pursuing projects that can complement your farm even and create artefacts that can solve problems for yourself and others. Remember to get your first 15% right so that how you go about setting up your year is really methodical, is really thoughtful, is really well documented, is really well shared with your people so that you give yourself the very best chance of the attainment of that goal in spite of all the things that will no doubt play out in front of us. Remember the law of frequency in relation to those goals and in terms of communicating your goals with your team and keeping them aligned to that regularly throughout the year. All of these things combined can set you up to almost, I'm going to say to guarantee that your results can be significantly better than any year prior where you haven't applied that much rigor to your thinking, your goal setting and your planning. Now, the fact that they are linked back to generalised principles and to laws of nature that are indisputable 
and undeniable, I think brings real power to the process of thinking, the process of goal setting and the process of planning. And so a little bit more of a philosophical conversation today. Um, I'm not going to apologise for that because Marshall Thurber and my opportunity to study with him is one of the things that I am most grateful for in my journey in business and in entrepreneurship and in coaching so far. And to have learned through him the impact that Deming and Buckminster Fuller have both had on the planet and their genius in helping in this space and teaching these principles to um, great minds of our time, um, I think it's so important in you understanding these at least a little bit as you go about setting up for your year. If you've got questions around this, please feel free to email me at support at farmownersacademy.com. I'd love to field questions around this or jump onto Profitable Farmer Facebook group. And I'd love to field questions around this if you've got any um, to help you get set um, around these principles and to help you make 2021 your best year yet. For now, guys, enjoy the finish to the festive season. Enjoy getting set up for the new year. Happy New Year, and I look forward to checking in with you again in a couple of weeks where we talk more in-depth about negotiations theory and Marshall Thurber's incredible skills, um, spin on how to influence others and achieve compelling negotiations. For now, thank you, take care, and speak soon.